Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Thinking Aloud About Film. This is another in our series of podcasts about the films showing at the Taiwan Film Festival Edinburgh. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Splendid Float from 2004, uh, directed by Zero Chu. So Jose, what did you think of it? I thought it was beautiful actually. I was really surprised. Um, I was surprised by the length, yeah, because uh, these films have generally been coming in from, I don't know, 100 minutes up to three hours, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so to see a film that was an hour and 11 minutes long, I, th- you know, first of all, I thought, well, that's, that's good. Yeah. Just in terms of, yes. <laughs> in, in terms of time, actually. Um, but then I was also, I was really riveted by the film. Uh, I thought it's, it's beautifully directed. Um, it's, it's a very poetic film and it's very, it's a very complex film that works on you very simply. I found it very moving and enjoyable. Yeah. So, you know, it's a film that's kind of, you know, that's full of song. Yeah. Um, and, and in a way it's like a musical in the sense that the songs fulfill this dual function. It's an expression of the character, but it's also the film expressing something yeah, about what's happening to the characters in the film. Um, and that keeps everything, you know, moving along. I really loved it. And I see that it's from 2004, which is, you know, almost 20 years ago now. I understand that in Taiwan, um, uh, gay marriage was legalized in nineteen and twenty nineteen. Yeah, so just a year, or two, yeah, a yeah. year or two ago. So this is like almost two decades before that. Yeah, I just found it kind of beautiful and moving. Really, how about you? It's a very short film. It also looks like a very low budget yes. film. Um, it's all done on like it was done on digital video, I guess. Um, and, but it kind of packs a lot into that. Um, it's got a very complicated, complex structure, sort of non-linear storytelling. It's got these two strands going on in in, in the story, and as you say, it's got it's got all the songs. Uh, it's, so we should say it's another of the films in the festival directed by by, by a woman yes. director, which is interesting because it's it's a um, it's, you know it's a film about drag queens and, and gay men and gay love, but directed by by a woman. This was her first feature. Um, she'd made do- documentaries before that. Uh, but she said, I was reading up on her before, and she's had a you know, very, very lengthy career. She's still making films. She's making a TV series at the moment where she's filming, I think, six episodes of, of sort of lesbian-themed drama filmed in different Asian cities, some of which um, don't actually allow the portrayal of, 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 of gay and lesbian themes on the screen. Wow. So uh, it's kind of a, a risky project she's doing. So interesting career. Um you know, not to pit women against each other, you know, but since uh, my disliking of peony birds, you know, could risk making me out to be like this misogynist who's anti-female <laughs> filmmakers, uh, I feel I must say that I think uh, Zero Child, this is, a, you know, uh, A Splendid Float is the film of, of, of an artist. Yeah, kind of, 
you know, the way that it's conceptualized, the way that the images work, the way that kind of meaning and feeling is conveyed, right? And, you know, I did not get that sense in Peony Birds. Uh, I mean, the whole opening here, you know, because you're talking about it being kind of low budget, but it's almost like uh, it is low budget, but to me it doesn't matter at all, right? Like, you know, it begins with a love scene, and actually I initially thought, you know, that it was, you know, a woman and a man making love, Right. And then so already you're there with kind of, you know, gender divisions and the blurring of gender and, um, you know, love and uh, and sex being above that. Yeah. Or irrespective of that. So kind of, you know, already the, the first scene in the film kind of sets it up on a different level. You know, then there's the duality that you spoke of that, again, I think is worked through on, you know, almost all levels of the film. Right, so the protagonist is a Taoist priest by day. Yeah, you see him with his gang of men, you know, chasing ambulances so they could get the funeral. Yeah. Um, and in the evening, you know, he's part of this drag queen troupe that goes with their splendid float. <laughs> um, you know. Which, I mean, in itself, like, just that would be a great film. Yeah. But it, that, that's actually quite incidental, the fact that he's a, you know, a Taoist priest and a, and a, and a drag queen. I don't, I, I, don't think it, I don't think it's incidental, actually. I think it's completely woven into uh, the film. Yeah, because, you know, his job is to call back yeah, the spirits, right? Um, and, of course, he's just lost a lover that he wants back, right? You know, and, and, and that has become like this major trauma in his life. Right. And, and of course, you get the fact that he's not out in his, his day job. He isn't out. That's right. Um, and uh, he, he behaves completely differently, completely different personality. Um, and, and, you know, his colleagues in the, in the funeral business don't know about this. So, but, I, mean, I guess we should, we should, we should th- th- talk about the plot a bit. That, that effectively, uh, you know, it starts off with this love scene, and which it, it's sort of non-linear. So you realise that what's happening here is the the... the 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 guy who the, the drag performer has met this fisherman they fall in love um the fisherman then dies and this all happens very early in the film um and the the because he's also a funeral celebrant he'll, he they realize that the latest funeral is his is his dead lover but of course he can't reveal that it's his his lover but then there's a bit where they need you know they they need some clothes belonging to the lover and it turns out he's wearing the guy's t-shirt and and so on and and it kind of progresses from there and it sort of um yeah, how, how how the funeral is celebrated and how he can deal with that death. Death is the is the theme of the film, really. So the film is non-linear, so I'm not sure if um, you know my my understanding is correct. But all of this is made more complicated because the fisherman has left Rose, right? So you know, one morning uh, he wakes up and he finds a yellow rose outside his dressing room, and it's clear that his lover has left him, uh, her, without a word, without saying why. He's just kind of gone, right? Kind of part of the shock is to find out why he's gone, yeah? How could he leave him? How could he leave him without saying nothing, right? Yeah, so this thing about retrieving and letting go, yeah, is really kind of woven into that, that duality, that he's, he's, found, he's found something, yeah, he's found what he never dreamed of. And actually, even that is done like a fable. So, you know, the float appears in this village one night, right? And there's this gorgeous fisherman. And the film shows you how gorgeous he is. And, 
you know, he's like completely otherworldly beautiful. And then, of course, what happens? He chases Rose on his motorcycle and wants her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, she can't believe it. You know, uh, it's like kind of, you know, it's like winning the lottery or manna from heaven. or So then the loss is equally incomprehensible and traumatic. And yeah. Yeah. Because you don't really see the love affair, right? You just you so you. And you don't see how it ends. You yeah. just you just see that it ends, and you don't you don't see how the guy dies, and and, and you don't find out how or why he's died. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I guess he, he's a fisherman. It's a dangerous occupation, but it could be suicide. It could be an accident. We don't we don't really know. I mean, I think there's also this thing of mis mismatched feelings, right? So I think the you know the film to me is both about you know a contrast between traditional society and modern society and the role of queer people in it. Uh, but it's also a thing about about love and ideas of love and the loss of love and, you know, how to overcome that because it, it's kind of shown as incomprehensible, right? The getting of this love is like a miracle and he's willing to give up everything and, you know, in quite a, a drag queeny way, actually. He's willing to give up everything, to move anywhere, just to follow him to the ends of the earth. And what happens? He doesn't want to do it. And actually, you do see that from the beginning, right? Yeah, where he says, oh, I don't know what I want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess yeah, you, you could read into it that the, you know, the fisherman is not um, is not openly gay. And, and uh, so when it comes to, yeah, he, he's having a fling. And when it comes down to, oh, OK, I'm going to come to your village and move in with you. <laughs> that's yeah. a different scenario for him. Yes. So, I mean, the, the fact is that you actually don't know what he wants or thinks or anything. Right. It's, it's all about Rose. Yeah. And how she's processing this stuff and how she understands it. And, you know, the community that helps her deal with it, you know, all the drag queens, but also her religious beliefs, you know, and how one thing challenges the other or how one thing can adapt to the other. Right. So how modernity can bring tradition. Yeah or can incorporate tradition, or, or how tradition can incorporate difference. Yeah, so I thought all of that was like in the film, and with very beautiful imagery. So, you know, we talked about it. it's obviously filmed digitally, and it does have a kind of a little bit of a thin look, you know, but then there are um, compositions that are very rich. So, you know, Rose wakes up one day, and then, you know, you have that image of the goldfish, yeah, kind of, you know, by the side of the screen. The funeral that takes place at the top of this hill, you know, where you see the ocean and the landscape and the, all the villages kind of going down. I thought that was all, you know, quite... It's clearly filmed on a low budget and it's, it's, and it's filmed on, 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 on video, but it's not, you know, some, some films that are made on digital video. I mean, this is like... 2004 it was happening a lot late nine mid mid to late 90s i guess as well some of them they're, you know they're just pointing the camera in a vague direction and not really thinking about it but but this one is is using that technique but really thinking about compositions and re really using using the making the format work for the film mm. i think in, in a in a really interesting way yes i mean the non-linear thing is interesting because i never found it a problem right so and i think i never found it a problem because the telling of a story is not the most important focus of the film. I think the most important focus is really to to describe, evoke a feeling, 
right? And then and then demarcate how to how it changes, how to cope with it, yeah, all of that, how to process it, right? And I think that really works best in this kind of non-linear way because it it puts the accent on that emotion. Were there other things that grabbed your attention? Really, really enjoyed it. I'd re- really recommend it. As you say, it's only seventy minutes, so you, and you, it's available available to watch till till the the thirty first, I think. Um, it's re- well well worth well worth it and it's probably you know given it's so short it can probably be revisited <laughs> i want to say a few a few more words about it because one of the things that's striking about the film in the light of contemporary uh issues is you know that it's not about gay men or not about gay men in the way that we traditionally understand it yeah it is about gender fluid people and you always see them being fluid in their in their gender, yeah. So you know you sometimes see them as very feminine men. You know you sometimes see them as quite butch drag queens or quite elegant drag queens. I mean, there's a whole variety of different types of drag queens. Uh, you see them kind of being very camp. You know, then of course there's the figure of the fisherman, whom actually you don't know. He could be heterosexual. You know, he could be gay. Yeah, he's definitely not. Uh, you know, uh, in quotation marks, a lady boy. So there is a difference between them. There are almost like gender roles assigned within that. Um, but it's amazingly kind of fluid. And it reminded me of a film that I didn't like much when I saw it. It was a Thai film called Lady Boys about, you know, these very feminine men, kind of drag queens, you know, who set up, I think it was a, ba- a basketball team or something like that. And now, you know, I don't know if it's a particularly... East Asian perception of gender or or simply a more queer one and more inclusive right it's, it's probably a combi- you know it's probably a combination of all of these things it probably has you know a local cultural dimension of why it's figured in these precise ways yeah but it's also kind of very pleasingly open yeah to uh, you know a kind of a Western European audience it seems like inclusive um, and and kind of both res- not only respectful but also it kind of it almost succeeds in identifying you with rose yeah uh which i think is a, a major uh success uh of its own so you know i think anybody interested in issues of gender uh or queer issues or actually kind of you know how how to how to make an intriguing you know a work of art on a low budget would do well to see this film. <laughs> All right. We are thinking okay. aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Ching 